0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Jellyfish Current, where we talk about all things performance, marketing, and branding with exciting guests from our industry. I'm your host, Shamsul Chowdhury, EVP of Paid Social at Jellyfish. Today, I'm joined by a couple of Jellyfish strategists, two folks who have had their finger on the pulse throughout the year. Welcome to our show, Tom and Rhiannon.
1: Thank you. Thanks Thanks
2: for having
0: having us. us. As we're into 2024... Uh, 23 is uh, behind us and we want to take a look back at last year to see all the cool things that have happened. Before we jump in, we'd love to have you guys introduce yourselves. Tom, you've been on the show before, but if you wouldn't mind uh, reintroducing yourselves to, uh, to our uh, listeners.
2: So I'm Tom, Tom Roach, VP of Brand Strategy at Jellyfish, uh, based out of London, but um, pretty global. Um, and I, I tend to work across a lot of our global accounts with people like Ree.
1: Hi, I'm Ree or Rhi I'm a Senior Creative Strategy Director at Jellyfish. Uh, my specialty is social media. It's where I've spent the majority of my career. And I'm also a creator. Uh, I have a horse, and him and I take the equestrian world by storm and share our adventures. So um, it's a nice way of... I use it as my sandbox, if you like, for keeping on the pulse of social. So, yeah.
0: Cool. So, as I mentioned, this is a recap of last year, uh, with 2023 coming to an end, how are you guys feeling when you look back at 23? What were the, the big things that you found were the most interesting, um, both in the work that you guys did, as well as the industry overall?
1: Shall I go? Who wants to go? You yeah, go. go for it. I mean, everyone's going to say AI. It's like the most boring buzzword of the year, but it's true. <laughs> I think we had this period where everyone for years and years was talking about it and it became a bit of a like a thing that people wanted to shoehorn in but I think this year or this past year was the first time that people started to actually use it in workflows that made a difference at least at a broader scale for the industry so that was quite exciting I found myself leaning on you know chat gbt etc a little bit more less in less in a gimmicky way and more in a day-to-day way which is fun so um and with that I guess we saw debates around it hotting up as well which was interesting
0: yeah, it's interesting the the AI mention Ree, because I think there was a study that showed about 70% of companies, uh, their CEOs and, and the C-suite and their earnings call talked about AI, mm-hmm. but only about 4% were actually using AI last year. So it's one of those things where you have to talk about it. But when pressed, like, how are you actually using it? It's like, ah. thinking about it, we're not using it just yet. So I wonder if that will change this year. Go ahead, Tom. I think it absolutely will. I think it probably already has
2: changed dramatically i mean the, it, it it's It's unbelievably accessible as a as a form of technology in a way that I think the previous shiny new things and I guess the most recent shiny new things being nFTs in the Metaverse just didn't have that um that incredible democracy and, and accessibility um, so yeah, I mean the strategy team at jellyfish we are all using. In different kinds of ways to to inform the strategy work we're doing, um, we've built things. We've built a thing called Strategy PT, which is a it's basically a, mm-hmm. custom, a custom a custom AI tool that's helping us um, get to we think better briefs quicker. Um, we're, so we're 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 doing lots of things with it, and it's real. And we're we're obviously also with with companies like um, Pencil, which is part of the Brand Tech Group, doing. Genuinely putting AI-driven production into in, 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 into the, the hands of our of our clients, um, so it's it's unlike anything I think since the dawn of the internet and and the dawn of Google and those kinds of things. If we think back twenty years to, to when those things happened, um, this, this is like that.
1: It's huge. I think using the word accessibility that you, mm-hmm. you said was really mm-hmm. nice, actually, because as you said, there are other things that have come before the metaverse, etc, NFTs, and people want to be part of these things, especially brands in our industry. But they just there's no good way of bringing that into your brand without it looking like you're shoehorning. Whereas AI it works for so many parts of the business. And because the technology is advancing so quickly, it very quickly goes from something that you're sort of playing with in the background to something that you can actually put into your workflow. I remember watching um, Google I.O. last year, which happens every May, and seeing how much AI they were planning to implement into the likes of the Google Workspace, Google Docs, Google Excel, et cetera. That was when I was like, oh, this is super exciting because it's so everyday. Um, and, you know, with Google being one of our key clients as well, knowing how they're starting to build out AI and BARD, et cetera, was, was really cool. Mm.
0: And it's funny, yeah, know, think seeing, think seeing... it's definitely. Sorry, you go no i was going to say that the democratization is the biggest thing right because to reese's sure. point like like metaverse sounds great in theory but the everyday person can't use yeah. it whereas chat gpt you open up an open ai account you just you know, prompt away so
2: yeah and you see i mean i mean earlier in the beginning of last year you'd see loads of people experimenting with 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 imagery and and kind of laughing at the 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 the, the the rudimentary nature of some of the imagery and the fact that it couldn't, you know, Jenny couldn't do hands very well and that sort of thing. And it was a bit of a figure of fun in some ways, but I think that, that of course, as the, as the, as the tools and the models get better and better, and as it becomes much better able to do video, it's going to transform our, our industry in all sorts of ways. I think at the moment though, it's definitely helping us do things quicker and make more stuff Um, is there there going to come a moment when we can actually do better things? I've not yet seen that, um, but I'm sure that 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 will be the case at some point.
1: And I think, as we always have to do in the marketing industry, we can get very insular and think that everyone is using products the way that we use products. And actually, if you if I spend time on, say, Facebook, the majority of people that I'm connected to who aren't in marketing are, just, are still laughing at the hands and still laughing at AI uh, image generation, and they're still at that stage of playing with it. But I think it's really important to stay connected to how every normal people, I say normal people, we're all normal yeah. people, but people in real life are using these products as well. Like, yes, it's useful for how we're connecting with our clients, but it has to reflect the real world as well. And there's yeah. a little bit more of a runway there, I think, for AI.
2: And I think so much of what we're using it for is it's B2B, really, isn't it? You know, B, There's a B2C tool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there are people out there writing, you know, helping, um, you know, r- I don't know, writing out of out of office re- responses or poetry or a little mm. message to somebody but mostly the way that we're seeing it is as a, is a really powerful business tool um but i'm sure that will change as things develop mm.
0: yeah especially as OpenAI is opening up their uh opening AI store right so it's got like a store for anyone to sort of create their whole prompts and almost sort of lean into it a bit more to, to back to the accessibility point that they want people to use it right they were one of the fastest to get to 100 million users um and to see that wide adoption i think there's definitely some legs behind it more so than we saw with the metaverse and nfts yeah, yeah. Sure. so we've talked about ai uh, unsurprisingly but what, what's something else big that you guys saw in 23 that was a, an innovation or a disruption to our industry I mean, let's, let's. I think the
1: other end. Oh no, you get.
0: <laughs> I was just going to say. Go. Um,
1: let's
2: not forget that that 2023 was in many ways pretty gloomy. You know, there was still mm. loads of job cuts, a lot of tech tech companies shedding people still, um, which was really a kind of hangover from 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 the sort of the COVID times. So there are lots of people who've really had tough times, and um, loads of um, people out there who are really struggling, really suffering. Um, and I think we can begin to see some green shoots. I don't think it's going to be completely all over in 2024. But, um, you know, ho- hopefully by the back end of this year, things will be looking better for people. But I just wanted to acknowledge that because it's it's not easy out there right now.
1: Mm. And actually, off the back of that, there was some really interesting research done um, when I was working at Netflix, not by Netflix, but we obviously kept an eye on everything. And it was around how when the economic climate and everything in the world is at its bleakest people find the most joy in obviously escapist films and tv which makes total sense right Mm -hmm. and this year has been such a difficult one as tom said and what i have really enjoyed is the rise of like fictional worlds especially on tiktok like if you ever follow um creators who Build skits. Maybe I can send a few to put in the show notes. But there's one creator that I follow, and he has a couple of actors that he has developed out of nowhere. And everyone in the comments is just like, "She was robbed of the Golden Globe. She should have got the Oscar." <laughs> and I just love it. Um, and there was a really brilliant marketing stunt uh, that you may have seen by Racket Rose last year. I think everyone talked about it on LinkedIn in the end. But they built this Instagram like two years in advance called the Roshanbo Club. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And it was this fake country club, completely ridiculous, like um, fabulous. And those sorts of fictional worlds, fictional characters, has been a real mini joy for me this year. I've really, really enjoyed those.
2: It wouldn't be um, a conversation like this without without looking back at the Barbie phenomenon. I think that kind of links to that escapist mm-hmm. fantasy thing hugely, absolutely, um, and particularly not just the movie itself and the, the themes it touched. But the the phenomenon that was the I don't know how many hundreds of, of, of brand partnerships that they struck up, um, and the, the the real the huge impact that they made, uh, the just the shit effort that must have gone into all of that, the fact that that um, mm. so many brands were obviously signed up as as kind of official partners, and then a load of brands obviously kind of piled in um, as I guess unofficial partners, um, and it was just kind of great to see the the marketing industry. Um, kind of celebrating just a huge event, and loads of people um, get get getting doing really good good things, and even just really simple stuff like just a big pink poster, a billboard, you know, Mm. which just you know is pretty basic, simple, simple bit of branding. Um, but there were so many different, diverse kinds of ways that different brands got involved in that, and it was, um, I think, it, you know, hu- huge thing. It sold loads of plastic toys, sold loads of movie tickets. Yeah. I think that one of the biggest winners was Oppenheimer because the whole Barbenheimer mm-hmm. thing. Barben- right. Um, th- with, that that little, uh, I was who was I was listening to a podcast recently. They were saying. They couldn't believe how Oppenheimer benefited from this hugely. And in no <laughs> brainstorm, yeah. if you'd had a PR brainstorm, the, the, the Oppenheimer people would not have gone, yes, I know, let's create this, um, this weekend where everyone has to go to this movie um, and let's, right. get, let's get involved with Barbie. So it's just one of those extraordinary yeah. kind of spontaneous things that can happen in culture where some great piece of culture happens and the marketing world can really get involved in it too. And I think we still have relevance as, as an industry, even though I think sometimes, particularly in the kind of more traditional advertising world, um, that the, the people in that world can feel like they're 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 no longer as relevant as they used to be in terms of creating culture. But I think loads of brands in all sorts of ways did 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 really cool stuff, and I think we can be reasonably proud of ourselves as an industry um, that we can mm. get we can get involved in, in in things like that.
1: Well, what was. What was particularly impressive about the Barbie campaign is that when I think when you choose to have such a big campaign where you just get loads of impressions, you partner with loads and loads of brands, you can really quickly dilute what you're trying to say. And what I found with Barbie, at least in my circles, was that yes, everyone was like defaulting to pink and girls and whatever, but actually the undercurrent was very much this is actually a really clever film and this is actually a really interesting mm-hmm. um conversation about patriarchy. And the fact that they were able to retain that even with all of the like pink, Barbie, doll whatever stuff yeah. was actually really impressive. And a credit to that strategy team.
2: Yeah. And the, and obviously the movie yeah, itself, I was gonna so- ask you. To- you go.
0: No, go for it. No, I
2: was just going to say it was obviously a really nuanced piece of storytelling, with which was able to deal with with all those issues in a, in a in a in a way that that seemed to satisfy even the kind of hardest hardest core, um, I guess, um, kind of critics of that kind of stuff.
0: I was going to say, to look at it from a marketing perspective, Tom, you talked about all the partnerships. Do you think Barbie has created this precedent? You know, you have like the Airbnb house in Malibu, and I'm sure there's like numerous other Mm -hmm. ones that are, are all headliners. Do you think that's created a precedent for other movies of that caliber to say, hey, how do we partner with, you know other brands that can really bring our movie to more eyeballs and get us more awareness
2: yeah i 'm sure i 'm sure lots of movies that 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 are kind of slated this year that that have the really big budgets and marketing budgets behind them will try and learn from it it 's really hard look you, we saw loads of articles from marketing people on LinkedIn saying that the, the, the hundred lessons you can learn from the Barbie phenomenon it 's mm-hmm. really hard to learn lessons from that you need a sixty year old brand. That is world famous, right. and you need a you need an incredible movie with great storytelling and a great an amazing cast, and you need I don't know, h- however many hundreds of millions of dollars of marketing spend. Uh, so it's hard to replicate, uh, and you'd be mad to think that uh, you can just uh, I don't know paint this ham uh, another color mm. and be um, and be okay. But you know sh- I'm sure it, I'm sure people will learn lessons. I mean, really, I mean I think the Lego movies. Have sort of, and the, and, the, and the Marvel things and those kinds of big blockbusters have been doing bits of this, haven't they? And probably Star Wars invented it and the idea of merchandising yeah. and, and getting involved in those kinds of things.
1: Well, there were those sarcastic LinkedIn posts, which, you know, don't we all love those, that just said, uh, the lesson from Barbie have millions of dollars to spend. Right, right. Yeah. Which, <laughs> of course, is true. And I yeah. think, sadly, for other films that want to replicate this with huge budgets, It doesn't work as well unless you do have the nuance of a really, actually a really good film um, and a really good director and a really good team and a really good story because, yeah, you could throw a bunch of money at something. But unless there's actually something decent underneath it, you're kind of just, I don't want to use the phrase, I don't know if we're allowed to swear on the podcast, but I think you know where I'm going with this. Um, So, yeah. Creativity—that's so you know—that's yeah, that's, that's the cool.
2: lesson, isn't it? Be really, really creative, both in the the content yeah. you make and the partnerships you do and the ideas you have, and and also that's no re- re- uh, replacement for having budget. You do need to spend money,
1: and don't overcomplicate it. Like, mm. of course, a normal person going to see the Barbie film—if they think about Barbie as a child—they're like the first thing you think of is maybe the Barbie doll and then the Barbie house. Like these are simple connections to make. Mm. I think sometimes we can over intellectualize uh our marketing strategies because yeah. it's fun for us and actually you don't need to do that
0: it's a great point and just kind of shifting back to the the comment about the spending right like barbie mm. spent a ton of money overall what did you guys see for like brands and advertisers and their their spending habits of last year was it more than expected was it less than expected and, and where do you think we're going into 24 with, with the overall marketing spend
1: Well, from my end, um, people got a lot more comfortable with TikTok in 2023 than they previously had been. You know, we knew that TikTok was growing everybody. I think there were a lot of brands in 2022 and before who wanted to be on TikTok, either in a paid or an organic capacity, but just couldn't quite get there. They didn't feel safe enough. They didn't feel they knew the landscape enough. And actually in 2023, that began to change. And I found that brands who maybe weren't ready to go all in with an organic approach on TikTok because they didn't have you know, the production or whatever they needed were quite happy to kind of test the water in paid and got great results out of it. And therefore then came back and said, okay, now we're going to run an organic strategy. So that was really cool to see, especially because TikTok has some really interesting new formats, new data, their focus on e has been really cool. So that was one of my big, big things I saw this year. Yeah.
2: And in terms of spend, I think it was... Not Not a lot to add, but I think, in terms of overall spend it was it was either kind of flat flat or down for for most people it's it's not been a it's not been a a, a huge spending year, but I think that that as is alluding to leads to to people being smarter with their money more innovative trying new things in different different kinds of ways and and so yeah we're we're, we're mm-hmm. seeing a lot of that sort of stuff one of the things i think that um and Rhee and I talk about this a lot and we will talk about it quite a lot mm. jellyfish is is one social and how how we can make the most of organic social and paid social together and get those two things working together and that's quite i th- quite exciting to me to see brands um try, trying to get things that may have been a bit siloed they may have treated them very differently um they may have um been doing some really interesting organic things but not necessarily getting the reach that they that that deserves and um, may obviously mm-hmm. also know how to get reach from paid stuff, but it aren't necessarily doing the, the, the best creative there. so very interested um, in, in, in exploring that more with brands this year uh, in terms of how they, they they get the the best of both and couple the the creativity and the engagement you can get from from organic with the, with the reach um, and just sheer kind of firepower that you can get with paid. I think that's quite exciting
0: there seems to be a you know resurgence for out of home um, you know tiktok even has like a whole thing called out of phone right just like mm-hmm. getting screens outside the traditional uh, smartphone devices so like uh, airports taxi screens all that kind of stuff do you think out of home especially with technology evolving can that be an interesting way for brands to lean into to do some you know high activation like CES is going on right now i've seen some pretty interesting um out of home activations there
1: So one that Tom and I have talked about quite a lot, actually, and actually everyone within Jellyfish is F-O-O-H, particularly for me, the Maybelline example, you know, if you haven't seen it, the idea it was a video of a tube carriage going through a station and there was a Maybelline huge eyelash and of course their signature mascara and what I loved about that was how much it upset Londoners (laughs) just being like this is ridiculous what a stupid thing to have on a platform etc but that idea that you can play with out of home in a new way because you know I remember years ago one of the things that we did at Burberry was to cast uh, the Burberry logo on a building using light and that was Im- amazing at the time really really impactful very cool but being able to do that now using technology and it not having to be there in the real space is is really fun as well it makes the social and the the in real life connect in a much more interesting way but it also means I think that when you have normal out of home that it, it can be done in a really fun way because you get to see it in real life as well I hope that that makes sense.
0: Tom, anything to add? For, no, what, what does, the, add? F for F and- mm, what does the F stand for? False. Fake. What does
1: <laughs> the F stand for?
0: We're going to need oh, to get fake, yeah, no, fake out of
1: home. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh,
0: okay. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> we really should know more stuff.
0: <laughs> okay. Fake out of home. Cool.
1: 2024 resolution, no <laughs> more stuff.
0: There you go. Cool. So another platform um, that's kind of seen the other direction is the artist formerly known as Twitter. So, what oh. are your thoughts on on Twitter and where it's going, and you know what is the long term vision if yeah. if Elon knows himself even?
2: Oh, uh, it's it, it it's so. It, I, I'm a massive or was a massive Twitter user. Um, there's there's a kind of. An, used to be a really lovely community of of advertising strategy people on Twitter. I refuse to call it X, as do many. Um, and it's kind of sad to see people people slip away. Every so often, there'll be a bit of a burst of, oh, you've got to go to Threads and do this, or you've got to go to Mastodon or try some other thing. And none of those other platforms are really managing to do it. Um, Twitter still has something interesting, which is a, a liveliness and a, a kind of, um, I, I know that sometimes it's a bit hateful and it's 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 full of spikiness and meanness. But actually, if you strip that away, there's still um, a, a kind of authenticity and rawness about the, the conversation and debate, which does still happen. And you don't seem to get on other platforms. I don't like the the, the kind of fake saccharine thing that you get on 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 LinkedIn, where people are just fake. Um, and instagram obviously mm. has its own own issues with that sort of thing twitter yeah. at its best and i know it can be terrible i know there's some really hateful things that happen there um but it's best that it's it's got a um and i think the the town hall thing or the sorry town square thing that 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 elon talked about when he first bought it i i do think there's some truth in that um but it's 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 just sad to see its decline um and uh, you know the the things that that you know obviously brands are worrying about brand safety there and 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 so pulling out of advertising and the kind of poor quality advertising you're now seeing on Twitter it's a real mm-hmm. shame i mean it's, mm-hmm. to me it's like the the stuff in my feed that that are ads is basically kind of infomercials from from weird kind of cookery brands doing you know, showing you how to chop <laughs> vegetables it's just so it's bizarre the, the cheapness of the stuff on there now um, that I think just reflects the kind of low, the low quality sort of advertisers that are that are left behind. Um, so it's a it's it's a strange thing as an advertising platform. It never really was a great advertising mm-hmm. platform. It never really um, no. got got as good as it could be. I never really understood why an ad had to be a tweet. So I was like, well, this is actually a perfectly good canvas. You could have f- f- okay bigger bigger screens, looking you know better creativity there. Um, but yeah, so it's just a, a bit of a shame to see it to see it slip away. What its future is, I don't know. I mean, I, some people will say, "Oh, um, Elon's got this big grand vision for a, for a, an everything app that Twitter could be uh, or X would be would be a kind of centerpiece for." But I, I don't, I don't think we see that. I'm not sure what the latest is on that particular theory.
1: Mm, I think I agree with you. I think there's a few things to Twitter that made it what it was for me. And then a couple of considerations. The first is the marketing strategy journalists that are now mostly on LinkedIn, I think they've moved over there. And as Tom said, it's not always, it doesn't always feel sincere and it it doesn't, it's not a brilliant experience, but they have moved there. The other was the kind of what I love about, what I did love about Twitter was the sort of observational storytelling that you would get on there often in real time. I think TikTok has picked up a lot of that. We have a lot of really great story times and storytelling in video form. And the other thing that TikTok, uh, that Twitter held onto for so long was real time. And actually I think TikTok is starting to mop that up better as well. We saw a couple of years ago that they became the place for the Olympics and then they've got way better at kind of throwing concerts onto your feed from loads of different angles. They're definitely not real time. I don't don't know that maybe it can become that, but I haven't seen it yet, but I think they'll mop that up. But for me, Twitter was never a hugely mainstream platform. And as long as Elon chooses to have absolutely no boundaries and no rules, then all of that hateful content that Tom is talking about will stay. And the, the reality is we don't want people don't want to see that unless you're going to the likes of 4chan because you're that type of person, you want to see it. It's never going to be a mainstream home for people if they are going to come across that kind of content without being hmm. ready for it. Um and I don't think it should. I don't think that mainstream platforms should be allowed to have that kind of um freedom, shall we yeah. say, to just be yeah. hateful and yeah.
2: It's still awesome. um it, i I think Twitter at its best um is two things for me. One is its ability to to um to to respond to help people respond to and to respond to um big news events, big world events. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when, when there's a big mass TV thing happening or a big news event, there's nothing like Twitter to, to, you know, people will turn to it to, to get the latest. Um, it's also, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. probably one of the funniest places you can be when it's working, when you've got people being funny, <laughs> spread it, spreading, spreading yes. stuff. Um, and it still has a bit of that. Um, so I, I, I still have some hope. Of course, we're coming into a year, which is going to be the biggest year for elections and political. kind of Mm -hmm. events and democracy in the history of the world. That I suspect, Mm -hmm. and particularly with Trump's, you know, whatever happens to him, um, that means that Twitter will, or X will be a, um, it will be, it will, it will continue to be there this year and be a big thing, Um, but, but, but as a, as a, as a form of, as a news source as opposed to an advertising platform. Um, So I think, um, let's, let's see what happens, but it'll, it will presumably, remain big in that for that reason this year mm. I, there's something really interesting going on you'll hear people talking about writing about the death of social media and mm-hmm. and, and we've we've heard that uh, i think for at least 10 years since since facebook changed the algorithm to to massively favor paid over organic reach mm-hmm. um, so that's not a new idea the death of social media and i don't think it's a true one i think there's there's definitely something definitely happening which is people slipping away from the kind of true social media um because they've become much more paid channels um into 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 more kind of um discrete uh specific communities um but i don't i think i think the really big social platforms will re- will will remain pretty big for for a while and then also you're seeing I think anyway, some of the really big ones, like well, YouTube's never really been a particularly social channel. TikTok isn't a particularly social channel. It's a, it's a, th- these are entertainment channels. So as things have become more video, they're entertainment channels because that's what video is. It's brilliant for entertainment. It's brilliant for a small group of creators uh, to, who, who are comfortable making video. Video is a really hard thing, I think, for just regular folks to make. Um, you know, you, you're unusual in that you've got a horse and you make content with your horse <laughs> and you're good at it.
1: Yeah, but you know, I don't, I I, I totally hear your point. You know, I don't actually spend a lot of time on my personal social media interacting. But I do think there's a really interesting element of the change in community. I don't, I think the death of social media really depends on your definition of what social media is. But community and conversation is a fundamental human thing that's been around for hundreds of thousands of years and yes okay community with people that we know has maybe declined in the with the decline of instagram and, and, and facebook in that way but community on tiktok is thriving and uh, it's leaving comments on posts about the thing that you've learned about for the first time or engaging in a, in a joke with somebody it's not it's not community in the same way because you're probably never going to interact with that person again you're never going to have a sit down coffee with them but it is community and i think it's it would be a mistake for the wider industry to ignore that
2: so it's actually on connection. tiktok your experience your experience moments of connection moments of community as opposed to you're yes. going there for uh, to be with a bunch of people who you call your community
1: exactly i think it's there's a term for this in psychology i don't think it's parallel play but it's similar to that in that people feel comfort in like being in like a coffee shop surrounded by people but on their mm. own and i think sometimes that's that's the comfort you get on tiktok that you kind of you, th- you throw different doors open as you go through your For You page and you sort of tap in and out of communities and you feel that comfort for a moment in time, but it doesn't require the depth of connection that we seem to have slightly backed away from on social media.
2: I'm a huge, so huge TikTok fan. A little too- Sorry, we're going to talk about TikTok more. That's <laughs> no,
0: fine. I'll, I'll get,
1: I'll, You're going to expose I'll, your For You <laughs> page, Tom. You have to tell us <laughs> no, what you see. I, I was going to do no, that. No, actually, no, no, no. can I just. Can I just do one sidebar um, for everybody listening? There's a game that a couple of uh, our amazing creatives at Jellyfish have invented. And it's where you swap phones with someone and you just look through their for you page and just enjoy the content. And uh, yes, if you're, if you're a marketing person like us and you're, maybe you have a sad five minutes with someone, it's quite an interesting, illuminating insight into their, <laughs> into their world. I was,
2: at a, I was at a TikTok conference just before Christmas and they made us swap phones with the people next to us um yep. and that was exposing because then you've got people flicking through your 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 <laughs> your feed and uh you know suddenly it's so
1: funny because
2: fortunately most of mine was like cooking things and some 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 weird coffee the coffee talk world is one that i've started to receive things from which i need to to get out of
1: yeah I do find it really funny like those echo chambers where you'll get you know you'll see the same trend going over and over that was started by a particular person and whatever and in the comments it'll just be like so is everyone's for you page just this man and his cat now and of course you're like no of course it's not because there are millions of people in the world But, but you're stuck in this little echo chamber with this weird community of people it's like being on a boat in the ocean you're just kind of you're stuck in a little world for a 24 hours, and then you come back the next day, yeah. and suddenly you're on the cruise talk drama or whatever with, it is. You know, with,
2: that's the beauty um, of the TikTok algorithm is it, it's so quick that it can respond yes. and change your 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 feed quite quite quickly and quite easily. Just by and you can almost manipulate it by spending a bit more time with something you wouldn't normally.
1: Yes.
0: So TikTok is a huge part of culture. So let's, let's segue into culture. Like, what are the things that we've seen happen uh, to consumer spend to brands, and how they're sort of leaning into the big cultural conversations? What What are some things you guys have been seeing, particularly from like a privacy perspective? I know that was you know toast of the town in twenty two and you know, going to twenty three. But wh- what has happened from a consumer privacy standpoint, and how is like the consumer mindset evolving? Of hey, I don't want to be sold to, I want to be spoken to. And what are we seeing f- from brands reacting to those things?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the second bullet point you touched on there, de- it remind it made me think of defluencing, which has been mm. a big thing this year of like, you know, exposing influencers who aren't being honest or whatever. And it's such a difficult one because I have an influence, being an influencer myself, but also being a marketing professional, there's such a fine balance. Obviously, you want to be authentic. And I do think that with the rise of social platforms giving more ways for creators to make money themselves, the creators have less of a reliance on brands. So when they do work with brands, it is really authentic. And I think we, having, you know, worked on behalf of brands that come to us on Influencer and talent, amazing talent campaigns, you are finding that you are really, really wanting those authentic voices to represent your brand because it's such a fine line between doing a piece of content that includes products but isn't like, shoving it down someone's throat but also making it clear enough that it is an ad or it has product placement mm. or whatever so it's a really fine line and I think it's good I think it's good for the world to to be more open about when something is an ad and isn't etc
2: mm. that's going to get more and more um complicated and confusing I mean the, the world of mm. um influencer for b2b is going to be huge we're told and I can sort of feel yes. that I mean I um it's the, the, the b2b world often sort of follows the b2c world you know a year or two mm. a few more years down the line and um you you can see it on linkedin even even stuff i've like um done a linkedin post i've seen somebody's i don't know like an interesting ai company thought oh, this is great there's one I, I mentioned recently in something which was a company called briefly who are um, helping marketing clients write better briefs using AI. You know, bad briefs is a real problem in marketing. Uh, and this company have got a, got a great piece of technology um, t- uh, that, that helps marketers do that. I put it, put it in a really simple little post saying, oh, this is their interesting company. They called me up and said they'd had loads of leads as a result of just a, wow. a LinkedIn post and a tweet and and so and that makes me feel slightly uncomfortable because I wasn't actively trying to endorse them I was just saying this is interesting look at what they're doing um and it, you know what I did was ultimately an ad um but it i didn't put you know hashtag ad hashtag sponsor whatever you're supposed to do legally because it wasn't i wasn't paid to do it but it definitely had that impact Um, So you see the kind of influence that you can have really, really without without meaning to. Um, And that will be happening all over the world in all sorts of categories, in all sorts of ways, just because people respond to people better than they do ads. And so that's, uh, you know, that's that's mostly a good thing, but but I'm sure can have difficult um, kind
0: of uh, uh, negative impacts too. Tom, oh, you're an influencer. It? Who 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 does that? Well, yeah, exactly.
1: The, maybe we should collab, Tom. We should like bring strategy I, and horses together.
2: I don't. I don't think this is going to work, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But you raise a really interesting point. And there was actually a news, well, a sort of news cycle I saw on LinkedIn recently about a creator called Lydia Millen. She's quite big in, in England and she has sort of she, her whole thing is like English countryside lifestyle. She actually went viral uh, a little while ago for something really controversial when she said that she stayed at the Savoy because her heating wasn't working and everybody said it was really tone deaf. But in this news cycle, what happened was that she had, I believe she was at. The hotel of one of her hotel partners and she was in the room and she wasn't there on a paid trip she was just I think she'd just gone and she did some sort of uh, outfit of the day or something like that and the hotel had taken it and reposted it and they ended up getting fined by I think it was the ASA because they or she she ended up getting fined by the ASA because she hadn't disclosed it as an ad because they said that she the asa said that the brand benefited from her post and that therefore she should have disclosed it as an ad but then all of the comments from marketing specialist creators like myself were like well that means i can never talk about a brand authentically again because if i if every time that i post something and it has an impact for that brand but it's not a brand partnership. Where, where is the middle ground? So it was, it was a really interesting debate. And I think I've slightly butchered how the news story went down, but look it up. Um, and it, it does raise the question of like, what, what is an ad and what isn't What's in the an future? Ad? What is an ad? endorsement? Yeah,
2: When, when everybody is potentially an influencer, what is an mm. ad? Is mm-hmm. a really, yeah. um, you know, just word of mouth is an ad. It always yeah. has been, but if it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. There's one actually going back to the, the Twitter thing. One of the few brilliant things about Twitter that still kind of remains and actually gets better is the community notes. So you see yes. people calling out inauthentic lies, ads that are lying. You see a lot of community notes, great community notes, calling out some of those games, those mobile games that they, they'll do. <laughs> Their ad will be some some really high-quality gameplay footage. All right. And then the community note will be, this is not real gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. and that's a phenomenal feature that I think I'd love to see elsewhere, and I'd love to see you see it on um, brilliantly calling out political ads when they're when they're not uh, truthful. Um, and I, I think that's that is a good thing for the world if there are, if there's an ability for ads to have have kind of real life um, comments, mm. um, kind of calling them out.
1: I guess the other side of that is. Well, people can just lie. Like fake reviews have been around for a long time as well. So, how, who yeah. polices the community? <laughs> yeah. It's but yeah, sure. but I agree with you in principle. Being pessimistic <laughs> when it comes to politics, anyway.
2: Well, put it, political ads in the UK, by the way, this is a bit of a UK conversation. Political mm. ads are not. Um, uh, there are no rules. You can lie in political ads. You you can't lie in an ad for a beef what? burger. You can. You you can lie. There's no legal requirement for political ads in the UK to be legal, honest, decent, and truthful, but that is for every other advertiser.
0: Isn't it a prerequisite to be uh, dishonest in politics? Well,
2: <laughs> apparently so. And I think this is a problem. There's a, there's a really great organization in the UK who are tr- called Reform Politics, I think, who are trying to lobby for, for, the, for the regulation of, of political ads. So that's a little, little mini soapbox wow. I'll just get on.
0: Well, one of the trends that were coming out of um ad age in 22 and going to 23 was that there's going to be a shift towards more humorous short form informal content do you think that was like a big trend we see a lot of that it seems like Ree, you saw a lot of that on TikTok, tock uh, some of the short form content
1: Absolutely. i have a point of view on this but i'll go, go after because i yeah, do you want to go first one? Uh,
0: yeah, I, th- I think
2: it's uh, so. People in the traditional advertising world I hate that word, but it, it unfortunately is one we have to use have been complaining for a long time that, that there's a decline in humor and advertising. My suspicion is that that decline has happened as a result of the globalization of advertising so humor travel doesn't travel quite so well from from market mm. to market um so if you're going to do localized ads it's uh, it's probably easier if you're doing big global campaigns it's harder um i think social provides a good opportunity for for, for you know there's tons of humor as we said in twitter tons in tiktok so i think There is some good news there about the potential for humor in advertising. Uh, Can I think just announced a few months ago that they're going to have a whole humor category, which I think was Mm. a bit is a bit ridiculous (laughs) because. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Lots like, of ads can have humor. You know,
2: does that mean every? Does that mean you have to have a new category for every different kind of emotional reaction that you can you can evoke with advertising, like a, a sadness saddest category saddest dis- yeah. <laughs> advert? most disgusting ad, most most whatever. So I don't I don't believe you need a category for it. Um, but I do think that there's that there's there's potentially good green shoots and a kind of you know, new, good good stuff happening in the world of hu- humor and comedy and advertising, which um, mm. I think should be supported.
0: On
1: your question around short form, I've been doing quite a bit of work around this lately, uh, and I actually think we're going to see the pendulum swing back. I think what we will see is brands who haven't yet caught up to doing reels and TikToks will, of course, be experimenting with short, uh, short form first, but actually from a creator point of view and from a consumer point of view, I think we're shifting back towards long form. And there's a couple of reasons for that. For the creators who uh, who are driven by the platforms and the creators obviously create the content and then the consumers follow the creators – The platforms in general are incentivizing longer videos. So TikTok recently uh, told all of their creators that unless they created videos over one minute long, they wouldn't make any money. That was the only way to do it. And so they are trying to push for longer videos. YouTube has obviously been around for, you know, they're the longest really for in terms of video content. And they are obviously built on long form alongside their shorts formats. And they still remain one of the best platforms for monetization. And reels have obviously got progressively longer uh, as time has gone on. What's also interesting, I was reading some really interesting research at the end of last year around Gen Z and how... Well, not just Gen Z but you know everyone says Gen Z first because everybody follows them but they've become a little bit overwhelmed by this era of hyper attention where you know you would as a brand if you wanted to do an ad you would try and do a hook within the first second and then you have to have some action and there's something else happens and some graphics and some cuts and some music and some double screening and this and that and the other and actually we've moved almost back towards a place where These consumers want slow content. I don't know if you've ever been on the side of YouTube where it's just someone studying for like four hours in a beautiful woodland with a cup of tea. We're moving back towards kind of slow viewing where people just want to hang out with someone. You might have seen on TikTok, someone tells you a story while they're getting ready and it's really interesting and you sit there for like five minutes. That kind of informal content I think we'll see more of that in uh, 2024 alongside some short you know short form what's kind of ironic actually is as a creator one of the best places to do really short form content now is on shorts because they'll pay you for it and you can do a really short clip whereas on TikTok now you have to do over a minute to get paid and Instagram isn't paying anyone really Mm. certainly not in the UK so uh, it's an interesting one but I I will stake put a stake in the ground to say that I think long form long form's coming back.
0: Is, so. is that a sign that our attention span is growing? Cause if so, I'll take it. Cause I know right now, <sighs> Do
1: you know, I think the whole attention span thing is a bit meh. Like I feel like attention spans follow the platforms if, if the content yeah. is there and it's interesting enough, people will watch it for long. People go and see Oppenheimer and that film was like three yeah. and a half hours long. So the attention span thing, yeah. I don't know that I totally believe it.
2: it. It is a myth that uh, people's attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. It's a yeah. com- common one, uh, but people are very happy to binge watch hours and hours and hours on Netflix. So I think I think we're exactly. okay. I do think though, yeah, and you're totally right, Ree. The, the people's attention, the amount of attention they're likely to pay to a piece of content will change from platform to platform um yes. and and it's kind of it's sort of built into each platform really whether whether it's a really short form platform or a, or a longer form
1: uh, well also you know double screening isn't going to go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen an increase in people watching YouTube videos on TV, for example, which to me says that, again, that long form that's being created on YouTube is being more associated with like traditional TV. But you, you can almost guarantee that anybody sat there watching that YouTube video on a television also has their phone out and is scrolling mm-hmm. through whatever platform. Yeah. You know, so that's not going to go away. And in that sense, the attention split isn't going to disappear. But I still think that, that that's why the content we might see on youtube is either creators who will try and keep someone watching through having written stuff on the screen for example or creators who actually are like i don't care that you're double screening i'm just going to you know go walking for hours and you can walk with me and actually it doesn't matter if you can't see everything that i'm doing all at once so yeah, like podcasts is another one yeah. good one.
2: Video and podcasts. this you know, and of course, there's a big difference between what people, how much attention people will pay to ads versus, you know, great content. Yeah, um, we mustn't as 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 brands and advertisers just assume that because they'll watch a four hour long uh, movie that they're ever going to watch a four hour long ad. Now. It happened actually with Barbie that they kind of did that, but that's really, really, really rare. Mm-hmm. And so mostly I think when it comes to making advertising, we need to respect the fact that pe- there's, th- there's a contract here, which is that people will watch a little bit, um, but ultimately they know you're an ad, they know you're a brand. That's not really why they're there. So mm-hmm. we mostly I think need to get in and get out pretty quickly. And that's where humour is really quite a useful tool because you can be funny quite quickly, I think, mm-hmm. in advertising so
0: if we were to wrap up 2023 what would you say 2023 was there was the year of re
1: oh my goodness uh the first thing that popped into my head was girl and we haven't even discussed that yet (laughs) the the year because I was thinking you know you had girl dinner girl math barbie etc etc and I don't even (laughs) want to get into that conversation because I'm still in two minds as to whether that was positive for women or not um not barbie girl but uh, oh goodness, come back to me. I don't know what the year of 2023 was. Confusion apparently. Um,
0: <laughs> Tom,
2: I oh, it's a, such a hard question. It really depends what what um, where you're coming from. I think I think probably the creator economy is one of the biggest biggest mm-hmm. themes of, of last year, and that's con- going to continue to be. Um, I can't wait till Mr. Beast is actually a billionaire. I'm not sure he's quite there yet, but I think that's going to be quite an exciting moment for him. Um, are you going to ask us about twenty twenty four? I was going to so say same, it, yeah. same yeah. question. Yeah. Yep, same question. I, I mean, I think, I think, I think it has to be that it's going to be the year of of, of democracy and political. You
0: mm-hmm. know, it's going to
2: be it's going to it's, the, it's the, going to be the biggest year of, of politics ever. Um, I don't know what that what impact that's going to have on 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 brands and marketing. No idea.
1: I will see that and raise it as the year of real, like live events, essentially, because yeah. we also have the Olympics in mm-hmm. 2024. And I am so excited as a social geek to see how TikTok and X to an extent, and even maybe Instagram, play out in that space, knowing what TikTok did for the Olympics in Tokyo and then what has happened in politics in those spaces. I'm super interested to see. How they take because there's no way that TikTok aren't thinking about this and um, thinking about. I think they had a campaign a little while ago, a couple of years ago, maybe that was around being a ticket, like the front row seat. Mm-hmm. And I'm really interested to see how they, yeah, how they take on live events around sport and that's politics. great, yeah,
2: really interesting,
0: cool. Well, that's it. 2023 is wrapped up, and we're well into 2024, and we couldn't be more excited about what's to come from cutting edge technology to all the great opportunities for greatness. From myself and Jellyfish, a big thank you to Tom and Ree for joining us uh, in our Year in Review for 2023. I'm Shamsul Chowdhury, speaking from New York City, and we'll see you uh, in 2024. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform you use to stay updated with all podcasts. Um, And do leave a review if you feel so inclined. Uh, If you have any questions or feedback about the show, send us an email at thecurrent@jellyfish.com. We'd love to hear from you. Jellyfish Current is produced by the editorial and production teams of Jellyfish. If you want to learn more about us, you can visit us at www.jellyfish.com. Thanks and see you on the next episode.